Cassian stages a prison break. Mon Mothma discusses a new business proposition. Luthen meets with a mole and more as the Sky Guys are back to recap episode 10 of Andor. Hello there. Welcome back to the Sky Guys podcast. We are getting ready to recap episode 10 of Andor here. And this is, might honestly be the best episode of the season. I'm your host, Mike Phillips. Notice where I go to Pecan Story. You know, you heard his voice in the intro. He is not with us today. He had a hockey conflict, so he'll be back with us next week. But joining us as always here, the floor supervisor of his podcast, Nick Freyetta is here. Nick, how are you? Doing great. Excited to talk about this one. But I'm just going to say every time now. Yeah, it's very exciting to talk about this. And also, to fill Pete's shoes this week, we brought in a guest here. We talked to him back in August about Rogue One, and now he's back to talk about Andor. Joe Simone is back. Joe, how are you? Hey, how's it going? Thanks for having me on here. Yeah, thanks for coming back, Joe. And uh, before we get deep, dive into this, what do you think about this show as a whole? Oh, man. Uh, you know, we had uh, discussed this a little uh, off-camera here before, but I think it's, you know, everything we kind of hope for. Just a little bit of buildup. So I'm glad we're here. <laughs> yeah, and I will say this too, the tease a little bit later in the show here. I think we may have gotten the best speech in the history of any Star Wars property in this episode today. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Um, you notice, just real quick, before we even get started, uh, or how are my levels? You sound you sound rather clear to me. Okay, because I don't think at first that my mic was being utilized, and now I think it is. Would you agree? Yeah, I would agree. Sound normal now? You do sound normal. All right, let's get into it then. All right, let's go into it here. And since Pete's not here, I'll remind everybody, if you like what you hear on the Sky Guides podcast, feel free to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon, all the usual suspects. If It will be out in your feed on the Sky Guides the day after you record. If you follow me from Just on the Suffering, you have to wait till the weekend. So, Nick, I think it makes more sense to, uh, you know, just get on the feeder if you want to get this thing. Pretty yeah, Pete, Pete says it. Look, I, I know what you're going to say. You say it just makes more sense to hit that button. And Pete says it all the time. Just do it. Hit the button. Don't miss out. Don't be a fool. Yeah, don't miss out. and Don't be a fool. And Joe, they can also follow us on Instagram. Sky Guys Podcast on Instagram. Put some clips on the episode up there every week. Nick usually works on the memes. So that's another fun follow the button to click. Uh, I look forward to it every day. I love the memes. You know, um, Nick and I have a friend group, uh, the Fort Wars. Uh, we won't get into that, but you know how I love me a good Star Wars meme. Yeah. This show has gotten plenty of poten- meme potential, especially when Karin's mother is involved. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Yeah. She's on the MVP board yet. Maybe by the end of the season, she'll get on there. But Nick, they can also check out the YouTube version. Mike Phillips on YouTube. Video version of the podcast is up there, including our, all our graphics. And we're going to have some visual aids for the news section today. That's great. Uh, speaking of the news section, let's do it. All right. So we only throw the visual aid up right now. Yeah, I have three things on the news here. You can start with your with what we discussed would be the aid thing. So first thing we're going to talk about here is the Acolyte, the television show. Um, began filming um, recently, and it's going to be eight episodes long. Uh, as of now, I guess, I guess just one season. I don't know. It could be more. Could be at least one season. Let's just say that. And they started filming, and the, here's a very, I guess, in depth cast list that you see on your screen. We got nine names on the screen here. Uh, we had already discussed before that Amanda, I'm not sure if it's Stenberg or Steenberg, She's is going to be the lead. Yep. She is, uh, if you don't know her, in the Hunger Games, but she was much younger at that time. That was like, that was like 10 years ago. And, um, that, that's really it for, for this, unless you have something to add. I'll point out a couple of names here on the list that are interesting to me, obviously. Obviously, top, if you're watching the YouTube version, top center here, Lee Jun Jae, who's the guy from Squid Game. He's the He, pl- he, he plays the main guy on Squid Game. Uh, Daphne Keene down here, she was she was the uh, girl that uh, Hugh Jackman helps and Logan, and she was in that movie. Oh, wow. And then on the bottom Growing here. up now. Growing up now. On the bottom here, Carrie Ann Moss coming into this franchise, also very big, because you're from... Obviously, Jessica Jones, you know, from The Matrix. So I think Joe is a big get for the show. Yeah, follow the white rabbit. <laughs> you have to follow the white rabbit here. So that's the Acolyte. They have started producing. Great job for them. What else is on the news department, Nick? All right. I, I don't even know why we bother with this stuff, but here we go. 
Sean Levy is now in talks to direct the Star Wars. I can't even say it. Like, it's so stupid. There's no chance it happens. There's no chance any of these ones that happen that we've ever talked about. So some awful rumor about him directing a Star Wars movie went out. Don't believe it. I can guarantee you it will never happen. If people aren't familiar, Sean Levy has worked on Stranger Things. He is directing Deadpool 3. Supposedly after Deadpool 3, he is going to be in the mix for a Star Wars film. Yeah, they just they find every director they could and just make an article about this. Like the only one we haven't heard yet is like the M Night Shyamalan Star Wars movie. We've heard every other one ever, so it, it, it's not happening. There's no chance, so don't even consider it. Joe, if we ever get the M Night Shyamalan Star Wars movie, I'm out. Yeah, I don't know if he kind of fits the M Night. You know, they tried. You know, Dookie Hauser. They've done a couple of things. You know, I think they gotta you know move on and find uh, someone who knows what they're talking about absolutely here nick last item on the news i know it's kind of related to this previous one yeah the last thing is an article from the direct i I actually just sent it in the the zoom chat the link um i'm not going to go word for word in the article that maybe not take forever but the title of the article is why lucasfilm is so worried about the next star wars movie and it basically goes in depth explaining how look we all agree most people agree in the Star Wars world that even if you like some of the movies in the sequel trilogy, the trilogy as a whole was a disaster. And this article just goes into depth saying that we're not alone in that. Even Disney knows that. Lucasfilm knows that. They know exactly what they did. They, it's not a secret. Like, there's no... If you like the movies, that's one thing. You know, I can't... You know, that's your opinion. You're entitled to that opinion. Even if it's the Ryan of Skywalker. I mean, I thought it was the worst... One of the worst movies I ever saw. But someone can like it. It's okay. But... I don't think there's any defending the trilogy as a whole in terms of it making sense and being paced properly. It's just, there's no way. There's just no way. And this basically, this article just goes into depth saying they're trying to get back into movies. But every other day, there's a rumor about another director being tied to a film. And it's not going to happen. That's all this really says in in a nutshell. That guy probably walked in for a meeting. How many meetings we all sit on that I don't touch? Yeah, yeah. They in talks, then it's confirmed or very different things. But if you want, maybe Mike, you could put like a link of this. I will to this and like the YouTube description or something. Yeah, we got a link to the show in the show notes for for this article. People want to read it in detail. Basically, this the point Nick's making here. I think makes sense here. And Joe, we back me up on this. Is I feel like that the article basically points out that like Lucasfilm as a whole is very gun shy with their next movie because they feel like. We have to get this right. So basically they're talking to everybody and then they can't keep their mouths shut about who's coming in, who's coming out. And like, we don't believe anything until we actually hear that, like the acolyte that they've started production until we see that we don't believe a movie's coming. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I think, um, especially, um, with the past films, they're kind of taking the, the video game approach and the Jedi approach and be like, Hey, we can't always do this just because we know we'll make, some really big money and we need to take a step back and think what are what the next uh movie is going to be if it's in the star wars you know skywalker verse so we see something completely different um i think everybody just has to be patient on that yeah nick that's not for the news this week right all right that's- sorry i was muted sorry uh yeah that was it um <clears throat> Basically, this is the main line of the article I want to touch on. It says, Lucasfilm is right to be worried. Star Wars fans are loyal, but they will not, toler- they will not tolerate mediocrity and cancellations forever. Yep. That's the main takeaway from the article. But the article is behind us, and now it's time for the prison break. Yeah, the prison break, the highlight of the season so far on Andor. We wrap up the prison arc for, Aunt- for Cassie in here. And Nick, I got to start here. Like, this build up of the arc here to this prison break episode where we spent 90% of it in the prison, like them getting out. Probably for me, I think the best episode of the season. I don't know how they're going to top this in the next two. I agree. I, I found myself on the edge of my seat not being able to look away from something that I know it was going to happen. Think about how amazing that is where we know what's going to happen because we've seen the you know, the few, the previous content, which I guess in the timeline wise is future content with Cassian in it with this other guy. What's the, what's his friend's name? Who's in it? Melshi. Melshi. You see them both in Rogue One. So we know they get out of this prison. We know that they're, they're planning to get out. We know it's going to work yet. I'm still that interested because it's done so well 
that I'm still on the edge of my seat on how it's going to happen. Yeah, Joe, I agree with Nick. I mean, I was watching this morning. I was sitting here like, man, like I cannot look away. Like there's like something going on in every scene. Like the direction is incredible. The acting is incredible. Like this is the prestige TV Star Wars you're looking for. Yeah, I mean, it's right off the rip. You know, you're just excited to see what happens. You know, any circus gets you fired up. You're just like, let's do this. All right, Nick, I think like last week, I think we should save the Cassian stuff for last. I think this is the most intriguing part of the entire episode. I think we should just touch on the minor storylines first and then. Yeah, sure. We'll, we'll go with Cassian first because I think Luthen has to be last based on where this episode ends. But we'll start out here. I think obviously we'll start with, we'll go with Mon Mothma first here, Nick. And we get the meeting between Mon Mothma, Teikalma, and the scoundrel Davo, I believe his name is. Nick, we just point this is not a dinner. Mm, it's all right. We'll get we'll get our dinner with Bosk soon. But uh, oh no, fine scene. Yeah, shine some light on why Mothma and her husband don't seem to have a great relationship. Turns out in their culture, it's arranged. So makes sense that they're not really in love. Yeah. And Joe, what do you think of this meeting as a whole here? Because I thought this is interesting here. The way that like everybody was so spaced out on Mon Mothma's couch, where like. Tay's on one end. She's in the middle. She's like, put her arms back. It's like, she has no desire to be there. And then Dow is just like, you know, make himself comfortable. He's having a drink. I thought that was very good acting from the three of them in that scene. Yeah, I think they were all not trying to put their cards on the table, keeping their distance. And, you know, it kind of plays out in a such a fashion that we've never really seen in the star Wars, you know, realm kind of, you know, the political backdoor, if you will, we've seen the grand Senate, we've seen you know, a lot of things, but we've never seen, you know, you know, a lot of, you know, under the hand dealing within the, the, the government of Coruscant. Yeah. Nick, we see basically here that like mom, mom is saying like, I'm setting up a charity. I can't move my money as freely. This is where you come in. Like, I'll pay you for your services. Like, just tell me what you want. He's like, no, I don't want to do that. It's like, it's like, I want like, I want something from you in return. It's like, I don't like favors, but I'm kind of stuck here. So what is it? He basically says, I'm coming back here for, basically, I think he's coming back for dinner. I'm bringing my son. He's going to meet your daughter. And then she gets immediately repulsed because she maybe assumes, oh, like, this is going to be like, he wants to arrange a marriage between my daughter and his son. He's like, not going to do that, just to meet. And to me, like, this was all kinds of cringe and gave you the sense that like this guy is kind of slimy. So, you know, like Tay wonder that this guy is not like present dinner material. He is. But at the same time, if that's their culture, if, if you look at it from the, their point of view, if that's a normal thing there. Then she's the one out of line, not him. Because in their culture, that is an extremely normal thing. And for her to say no to the, she was involved in it herself. For her to say no to it is, well, what are you against your culture? Which we've seen she is against her culture based on the last episode. She's the worm out of the drink. We talked about that last week. But, um, but you know, I, I, I just think that they're they're kind of playing this Mon Mothma thing a little too long. Where it's like all these different ways of her to getting her funds. And we're like 10 episodes in and it's like she still hasn't figured it out yet. And, you know, she probably should. Yeah, it's like right now she's like trying to cross a bridge. She doesn't want to, basically. Like she says, because you basically when he leaves, he's like, he's like, I'm not gonna entertain this. He's like, you are entertaining it. The fact you said that just makes me know, but you're still thinking about it, even though you don't want to. Right. Joe, any thoughts on Davos' proposal here? No, I think um, she's she's backed into a corner, and he knows it. Um, I don't think he knows exactly what's afoot. But, you know, he knows that she's hurting and he's about to take advantage of it because, you know, we don't know a whole lot about his character, but it seems like he don't play around and it's straight to business. Yeah, it is straight to business. I think that's enough on Mon Mothma here. Did a quick pit stop on Ferrix as well because we get one scene there the entire episode. We find out basically that Marva Andor is sick. She's not taking her medicine. They get the doctor to come visit her. We see, Nick, that Cinta has now caught on to where Marva lives and is st staking her out. The ISB is also staking her, both Cinta and the uh, Marva and or instance out here. So I think this is a good two minute like setup piece here for like, what's going to come like in the finale two episodes here. Yeah, I'd imagine the finale has to do with Cassian and Luthen ending up there with everyone who's currently there. Maybe Vel as well. 
and a big showdown of sorts. I'd imagine Cassie's mom dies, and they we'll have to see what happens. But I would imagine it's going to be something like that, where everyone kind of gets together. We've seen everyone on their own paths, and now I could see everyone coming together for this. And um, I don't know. I'm not. This is for me the least interesting scene of the episode. Well, this is what I'm least interested in. There's only one scene now, which actually helps. Oh, yeah, no, not a bad scene whatsoever. Just of, of comparatively speaking to the rest of the episode, this was the part I'm like, I don't really care that much. I wouldn't rather have this though than Carney eating cereal again or being creepy. Yeah, I, I don't, maybe I'm alone here. I don't have much interest in Cassian's mother. Like, I don't care if she dies. Yeah. I, I mean, and it doesn't seem like <clears throat> that they haven't really shown enough of it. So maybe he does, but it doesn't seem like he cares that much. Like, of course he likes her, loves her maybe, but like, doesn't seem like they're that close. And like, they kind of play it off as if they are that close, but I don't see them being that close. So it's kind of just an odd thing where it's just like, all right, yeah, his mom died. It's not really a big deal. Joe, I disagree with that. I'll give you my theory on this because I mean, go back again to episode seven when he first gets the money. Like, and he's like thinking, oh, I can just take my thing and run. His first move is to go back home when he's, where he's clearly a wanted guy to go pick up his mom and basically help her retire. So. I do think there is closest there. I just don't think it like she reciprocates it like in the way he expects it. Yeah, you know, I think um, I think it's a second note on his mind. I think he's really, you know, I think you know in the beginning it was all about the money, and then he kind of you know figures out that that he might need to do something else, and I think his mom has a whole lot to do with that but you know who knows yeah we'll leave the ferric stuff here too let's get to the prison break here it's gonna be most of the rest of the episode laying on luthan but nick i did think it was fun we start the episode immediately basically right like seconds after we find them like uh you know talking after Olaf's death that kino uh, kino and Lu- and cassie are talking about like when to do this and cassie says it has to be now we have to break out tomorrow because they're not prepared right now. They can bring a new guy in. We can act our plan when they bring the new guy down the elevator here. So good urgency and Cassie to try and uh, work this out immediately. So we have to act now. 100%. He's right, too. And everything he said, he convinced. Um, he convinced. Oh, God. What is his name? Kino. Kino he convinced Kino that he was right. He, he showed him. He was like, oh, no. Like, they do this because they're powerful. He goes, no, they do this because they're afraid. And he proved himself right. He proved Kino wrong. He proved himself right. He showed him that now is the time. And really, like, a lot of cool, like, one-liners in this show. Like, last week, never more than 12. This week, one way out. Like, stuff like that. A lot of cool little one-liners. So they make their own classic lines. Yeah, they don't need your classic lines. They're making their own. Yeah, they are. And, Joe, we see the plan sort of in work here where, like, at some point, basically, like, during the shift when they're waiting for the new guy to come in, Cassie takes his bathroom break, goes back to his go back to his cell. We see that he's basically, remember the pipe he was trying to cut last week? He found out some water pipe. So his idea is, I'm going to short out all the electricity in the floor so that when they try to shock us, they can't. We'll just overwhelm them with numbers. So I think overall, good strategy from Cassie. Yeah, I think, you know, we, we saw this in Rogue One, and we're kind of seeing his, you know, ingenuity, you know, thinking on the fly, you know, kind of makes him a successful rebel because nothing ever goes to plan. It's only hope. So I think, it, you know, it's a, he knew that it was, it wasn't a sure plan and, you know, he found a better plan and he, he's got to, you know, roll with the punches. He's kind of, you know, an underdog in this universe and he's got to fight his way back. Yeah, and Nick, I did love the tension of this whole thing, too, because he, the pipe's being stubborn to break, and you see that they're bringing the new guy in, and we're trying to see, can he get back in time? And we have these other prisoners sort of coordinating to take a fake fight in order to distract them, let Cassian sneak in and sneak a weapon behind his back. This is all very well plotted and very fun. Yeah, it was. It was planned very well. And um, something I noticed that is uh, poetic is, do you remember the um, the heist at Aldani? Yes. The character Nemec. That was the name, right? Nemec? Yep. Yeah, Nemec. Nemec was very confident in the plan, yet he couldn't sleep the night before. Yep. Cassian didn't care at all about the plan. It's something like a baby, right? Yep. Did you notice that Cassian couldn't sleep at all the night before the, the heist or the breakout? Yeah, because he's the one thinking about the plan. 
Yeah, and I think some of Nemec rubbed off on him, and I think that's what we're, I realized what this whole show is. It's just Cassian meeting characters along the way who rub off on him in a certain way that shapes who he is. Luthen, Nemec, and Kino. Yep. Put them together as Cassian. Yeah, there might be more. I think when we get out of prison, we're going to be introduced to the Cassian that we know in Rogue One. There, there could be more along the way. I feel like there could be more layers added to him. There could be. Because but we that's what I noticed. And yeah, the plan is fantastic. I mean, it, it it proves how greedy the Empire is in this, how they only have, what, 12 people? Never more than 12, right? Yeah, never more than 12 on a civic level. On a level? How many levels are there? Five? Five. I think it's eight levels total, because I think the command server is a level. So there's, so to, put it, to put it short, there's less than 100 guards total on that ship, or yeah. on that prison. And there's over five thousand prisoners, so they out they out they outnumber them at least at least fifty to one. Yeah, the floor was their only real advantage. Yeah, and you got rid of the floor. Uh, unfortunately, we suffered a casualty or two to get rid of the floor, but floor is gone. Yeah, Joe, what do you think of the sequence too? When the break first starts happening here, when you see the water seeping out of the floor and Cassie realizes it's going to work, and then like. When they turn the floor on, he does that little quick jump step to avoid getting shocked, and somebody else on the floor gets shocked. So I thought that was also very fun, like to sort of set up the whole thing before the, everything goes crazy. All the prisoners throwing like wrenches and stuff at the guards, and before he can get up on the ladder and start grabbing weapons. Yeah, I mean it's kind of like the vanguard out there. They gotta, you know, take some casualties, uh, but to get to an objective here, it's kind of like the foot soldiers, and once they, you know, kind of screw themselves by trying to shock it with the war going through, then you got an army, you know. Uh, you know, I sacrificed a few for the many. He's definitely a, a warrior. Yeah, and Nick, we get, we saw Cassie also sh- like show off the blaster skills. He sneaks onto the la- elevator there. He gets the guard's weapon. He kills all three guards there. There, he kills two more. On, like, there's another one on the way up. So, like, the kill count's crime in here, and they're basically, now everybody's off to the races trying to get the, get themselves out of this prison. It is, and I, I find that part of the episode, honestly, the best. You start seeing some classic Star Wars action, the blasters and all that. And then you see them going from floor to floor and, like, liberating a floor and having them join the cause. And they're kind of just wrecking havoc through this prison. And there's nothing the guards can do about it because they're just so heavily outnumbered. And then it, it, it's a, it's just a fantastic plan. Honestly, it worked. It worked to perfection. And it, it's not even that the plan is so great. It is. It's just the lack of security by the Empire that's really the issue. Yeah, and the, and they executed very well. The prisoners. Yeah, no, 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 the plan is the plan. Obviously, is so great, but the plan should have never worked because there shouldn't be twelve people on a floor. Yeah. This is. I want to say the best government in the galaxy. No, it's the only government in the galaxy. Like they should have unlimited resources, and they're not utilizing them enough. So like, yeah, Nick cut out for a second here. So I'll go to Joe real quick because I'll say here in terms of what's going on with this plan here, I think it's also interesting that like this is something we we brought up before. The Empire has all these resources set up right now, and that they're trying to you know build this, build these weapons, and Cassie correctly surmises, hey, like they're using us to build something, and they're not gonna need us after it's done. So I did think it was also very interesting to see like you know how like. You know, this is sort of their arrogance. Like, oh, like, they're not going to, they're not taking the the uh, people seriously. And once people figure that out, they can take advantage of it. You got to, I, I think you also got to remember here, uh, you got a you know, big government that, um, you know, it's probably shaving pennies to get this secret operation going on. You got prisoners who no one knows where, you know, what's going on with them. They're definitely, you know, doing something under the radar here and you know if that means that you only allocate so much personnel to that i think you know it's 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 like running a big corporation <laughs> they're cutting costs and it paid off in the rebels favor here yeah and nick i do think it's, it's a good point joe makes here because it's sort of like you know like they're spending how much money they don't have endless money they're putting a lot of money into this death star here we know this is being built at the time here you figured, ah, oh, you know, we'll invest in the floors. We'll cut, we'll cut the prison costs. We're not going to pay as many guards because the floor will do the job for us. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I think Nick's having some technical difficulties. There. Yeah, I think Nick's having a little technical issues with, the, with his audio. So he's going. Yeah, you know. Yeah, go ahead, Joe. Yeah, I think um, 
they're definitely try stretched thin here. Let's put it that way. I think you got, you know, a lot of personnel. You got a lot of people on ships. You got a lot of people on planets. You got a lot. So I think a secret Guantanamo work gulag is not going to be, you know, optimal in your head count. <sighs> Could be. Yeah. Got me? You got you. Yes. All right. I think We're I, loud and clear. I think I uh, was on the wrong microphone on my on my on my output or input, whatever. But um, I, I don't know the plan. I just think the plan should have never worked out. I don't think they had enough people working. And I know you're saying that they had the they didn't have the money, but like, no, they had the money. So they didn't want to spend it. Yeah, I mean, even if they did, even if they didn't, you could double it. Make it instead of making it 120, you could make it 20, and then it probably wouldn't have worked. Yeah. That's true here. And then we do get, obviously, that Cassie and Kino and a couple of the other guys, they get up to the main control room floor at level 8. They try and figure out, oh, we have to kill the floors of the entire building so we can make our escape. Nick, I see you have you want to jump in here. I do. Um, did you notice how Cassian got from floor 5 to floor 8? I did not. He climbed like Nemec told him to. Climb. Yeah. 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 Just like KS2SO tells him to do in Rogue One. Yeah, he's a, yeah, he's a, he, should, he should be a mountain climber in his spare time. <laughs> but yeah. anyway, anyway, so they they get to, they climb up to level eight where they they end up finding these three guys in the control room as he run the whole facility. Cassian kills one when they're being resisted. The second guy smartly says, "Hey, I'm not gonna get out. It's alive otherwise." So he does what he he shuts the floors down, and then the, the main guy has to kill the water level, and then we get. A brilliant speech that Cassie implores Kino to make to alert the, the other prisoners on the other floors of what's going on here. So I want to give this, and I said this tease the top of the show, I think this is the best speech in any Star Wars property we've ever seen. So I'm going to go oh, ahead. I got two questions for you, Mike. Yes. Before you started. Number one, what other speeches are there? In terms of Star Wars speeches? Yes. Yeah. I got. I'm thinking offhand. I'm trying to remember. I can think of one, and I think that that one might be better than this. It's very close. Are you counting Palpatine's speech? Yes. Yeah. What about? Um... That's the one I'm thinking of when Palpatine transforms the Republic into the Empire. But that's the only one I can really think of. But I, I don't disagree with you. It's a fantastic speech. What about Lorna Dean? I hate that movie, but or Darn. Yeah. The Hope speech from from uh, Last Jedi. Yeah. Mm, I don't even honestly don't even remember it. Um, <laughs> that movie second question I have for you, Mike, is how long is the speech? Just so I know. It is two minutes. So we have gonna, All right. Let's strap in two minutes. We're going to play the audio here. So people on the YouTube version, we're gonna, just going to have the audio up here. I think it's too important here. This is Andy Serkis's speech as Kino Loy from the prison sequence. I'm going to play it for the audio audience and we'll react to it afterwards because – it's too good. We have to hear it from Andy Serkis himself and not just try and summarize. So here's the speech from episode 10 today. All floors are cold. Wherever you are, right now, get up. Stop the work. Get out of your cells. Take charge and start climbing. They don't have enough guards and they know it. If we wait until they figure that out, it'll be too late. We will never have a better chance than this. And I would rather die trying to take them down than giving them what they want. We know they fried a hundred men on level two. We know that they are making up our sentences. As we go along, we know that no one outside here knows what's happening. Now we know that when they say we are being released, we are being transferred to some other prison to go and die. And that ends today. There is one way out right now. The building is ours. You need to run, climb, kill. You need to help each other. You 
see someone who's confused, someone who's lost. You get them moving and you keep them moving until we put this place behind us. There are 5,000 of us. If we can fight half as hard as we've been working, we will be home in no time. One way out! I, okay, so that's the speech right there. And I think, honestly, Joe, when they're saying that the Emmy reel for this show, this has to be the number one. This has to be the episode they send in because this speech is incredible. Yeah, I mean, this guy's a legend. He's been in, you know, countless things. I mean, he just gets you fired up and he just wants you to follow him into battle. Yeah, Nick, this speech was incredible. I mean, like Andy Circus, like they do a good job here. I mean, they don't you don't have the visual aid, obviously, on the podcast medium, but like you can see sort of like he's hesitant at the beginning and Cassian sort of like encouraging him to like sort of like speak from the heart and then like the emotion really pours out. We got the episode title in there one way out, which I think is fantastic. Like why I remember this speech by and the absolute like range of emotions, the music in the background, this is like little perfection in my opinion. I agree. I agree. It was a fantastic, fantastic speech. It got everyone pumped up. It got the the audience pumped up. Everyone was ready to go, and that's it. Joe, I also did like that the beginning of this speech also had was shown to us over the intercom, so, like, it gives that little mechanical sound of, like, sort of has the Andy Circus Snoke voice that we get from the sequel trilogy, and then we get regular Andy Circus when we go inside the room. Yeah, I was definitely getting some Snoke vibes from that, and then... He gets left behind, you know, all fears are going through my head right now. But he definitely uh, was pissed off when he woke up that morning and definitely had something to say. Yeah, he definitely did something to say here. And this speech gets everybody fired up. We see the melee as everybody tries to get out of the prison here. And Nick, we found out that the only way out is because there's no ships on the prison, obviously, that everybody has to jump in the water. Poor Kino Boy can't swim. And Cassian gets ready to try and help him. He sort of gets stampeded off the uh, ship before he, before he can do that. So, sad end of the character. I'll give credit to Kino here because he knew this is a possibility that he was not able to swim and that this is going to be... He basically screwed one way or the other. So, the fact that he still is able to give this speech is very powerful. Yeah, absolutely. He um, <clears throat> here's, what, here's what I was thinking the entire time watching it. When they're all jumping... They need to wait before the next group jumps, and they're going to jump on somebody in the water, and they're going to die. Yeah, that's all I kept thinking about. <laughs> but they were just kept jumping, and they all—you know what I mean? They would have landed on each other. Yeah. And uh, the fact that he can't swim—I I know there's theories going around that oh, maybe he becomes Snoke, or he'll be—he'll stay a prisoner. Like I think it's clear they're just going to kill him, right? Yeah, I mean, he led the prison break basically. Right. They, I think he's just going to die. I don't—I I mean, we don't know that yet, but I mean, that's what I think will happen. I don't think we're going to see him again. I think we just have to assume. I'm with you. Yeah. We're just assuming he gets killed because he gets when the Empire sends the reinforcements over. I am with you. Yeah, and. Joe, I did also get major Lion King vibes when, like, the prisoners are all running out of the thing, sort of like the stampede in the middle of the Lion King when all the ant, ant, like the uh, wildebeest come in and trap Simba in the in the valley. Yeah, I think it was um, definitely you know brutal, and you don't even know how far uh, away down that is. You know, that's that looks pretty high for me from that aerial shot that we see. You know, kind of after the scene you guys describe. I you know I think. And you got like people coming down after you. It can't be an easy journey to begin with. Yeah. Yeah. And Nick, I did like that the overhead shot that shows that the prison is shaped like the Imperial logo. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. That was very cool. Yeah. This... Um, I guess I didn't know. I, I it was so like, I think this was on purpose, but like, were we not supposed to know at all what that prison looked like on the outside? I don't, right? I don't. I think it's the first time we've actually seen it overhead. Yeah, because the whole time that's not what I pictured. I thought honestly thought it was a ship. Yeah. I thought they were in space the whole time. No, they were on a planet. I thought they were like flying outside. Well, for like no, just, I think because there's like no windows. It was hard to tell like what what's going on outside. I, you know, I think um, any you know manufacturing has to be done on planets. Yeah, um, we see you know. A lot of that, you know, whether it's Mustafar or, you know, um, 
which um, uh, Mandalore itself, you know, mining ore. I think a lot of production is done on planet. Yeah, Geonosis too. They're building all the battle droids in episode two. Uh, exactly. You know, you you launch your product in space. You don't build it. Yeah, so they don't build it here. And then the last shot we see from the storyline is we see Cassie and Melchi are escaping, are running together through the dark, and they're trying to get the hell away here. So I think that's the last we see of them. I'll touch back on the predictions, what we think happens to Cassie and Melchi after this, Nick. So I think we should go to Luthen now. Let's go to Luthen. Before we get deeper into Luthen's story here, is there anything new in the shop that should get caught your attention? Yeah, there's one thing. Uh, there's something behind him when he's speaking to his assistant where it, I'm not sure if it's the same thing or not, but it strongly resembles the hairpiece that Padme wears. When does no, she wear it? I know, I know what it is. When does she no, wear it? Though? I don't no, remember what she wears. I, Nick, I know what it is. Joe has. What it. is it? It's um from Wearables. Who's the pilot? Harif. Yes. What's the um thing from her planet that her family passes? No, yeah, in? that is that is in the shop. I'm thinking. I'm speaking of something else. Uh, okay. I, I, does she wear that in Clone Wars? That headdress. No, that no, has to be in, um, no, I, no, I, I'm, I don't know the scene. But it's in it's, maybe it's episode one when she's yeah, it's episode not. One. It's not episode one that she wears this. I, I so I'm not sure what it's which one it is. I can try to find a picture and then say, oh, now I know what it is. But it's two as or, of now, I do not know. So it's two or three in your opinion. Yes, I just don't know exactly. It's it's, it's, her, it's her time as a senator. I just can't remember exactly when she wore it. Yeah, so we'll put that we'll put that aside here. But we do see that Luthen's talking to his sister Joe, and he's she's saying, "Oh, like I have a meeting. two. Yeah, it is it is from two. Okay, so Luthen basically talks about they have a meet set up with their informant here, and Clay is like, "I don't know if it's a good idea. Like, should like should we cut our losses here?" And he's like, "Nah, we need this guy." And then we do find out later on that the we saw the beginning, little flash of the episode getting ISB, but this meeting with. Dedra there and this guy Lonnie who's been working with them the whole time we find out later on Joe that he is a mole he's working for Luthen so I thought that was a fun reveal yeah I think um, you know it's a vital part of the rebellion you know spycraft wins wars um, you know won the cold war uh, and I think uh, we see that in row one, you know, it's uh, the, after, you know, a whole big battle and a whole thing, it's, it comes down to the intelligence needed to, you know, find the flaw in the Death Star. So I think his, he's, uh, he's a master of his craft. He's, you know, the whole, the bit and bang. I think he might even have the second best speech ever yeah. you know that that one is you know pretty good myself it was a little more predictable than um andy sarkis is but i you know he's a great actor so, you know he delivered the lines yeah so the, the the scene where padme wears that is when her and anakin arrive on nebu in episode two when he is when he is tasked with protecting her and they're walking, and i always found it hilarious that they're carrying luggage just the, like this doesn't seem like a star <laughs> wars thing but that scene okay so, Nick, anyway, we do get this moment here. We get the fun in the elevator where Lonnie goes in the elevator. He's looking for, like, an earpiece. He's communicating with Luthen via earwig. He's saying, like, hey, like, we're laying, oh, like, the Empire is going after, like, knows about this plan to, on this planet. I think this is the mission that he was trying to get Saw for and Saw declined him. So he's like, this mission is going to be a slaughter. Like, I'm getting my information. I want to get out here. And Luthen says, no, like, you have to stay. You're more valuable than 50 people here because I need your information on the inside out. So this is a fun exchange because... Luthen quickly has his peg at this guy now as a family. He has a daughter. He wants to get out and be safer with all this. And Luthen says, no, I still need you. Yeah, very interesting. And you failed to mention how, like, the, the buildup to this scene, like, yep. showing him walk around the underworld of Coruscant, that was a sight to be seen. We saw more aliens on his walk to the elevator than we did the entire show. Yep. That was awesome to see, like, that underworld area. And... You could see that Luthen really has, I don't want to say no values, if that's the word, the wrong word. He puts nothing in front of the cause. Yeah. Nothing. And he, and you hear that because he says to him, well, what did you give up? And Luthen pretty much names everything possible. Yeah. And Joe, I gave up everything. That's the only thing I care about. 
Yeah, and Joe, I do think the visuals are great. We do get the interaction here in terms of like when he the elevator opens up, we see Lufin sort of standing on the balcony, like with the cape flowing, sort of gives you that episode five vibes between Vader and Luke on uh, Cloud City. Like it gives you that sort of feel to it. And Luthen, like you can tell, like this is the dark side of Luthen that we're getting exposed here. And like he like he's more like like the an imperial per- figure than he than like than he wants to be, but he figures he has to to get the job done. Yeah, he's definitely, you know, uh, a, a, a dark character. Uh, he's got to make a lot of sacrifices. He's got to sacrifice 50 guys um, for this one, you know, mole. Personally, I think it's well worth the sacrifice. I think it's the right decision. But uh, at the end of the day, he's, uh, you know, sending this the lambs to slaughter. And when that elevator opened, you know, I thought of, you know, I'm Batman. Yeah, um, I'm I'm in the shadows. Yeah, so I think he's 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 a necessary evil. Yeah, Nick, I do think it's interesting too in his speech. We talk about what he gave up here. He talks about all oh, like like the heroes who need to act to like sit, stop the empire here. It's not me because I've given because I've gone too far down the dark path to be that guy. We haven't. We need to find the people who are going to be the heroes here. He's like, I, neither one of us is the hero. So I do think that was a interesting read by Lufin to correctly assert that like these sure. like. That like yeah like I'm doing the dirt somebody needs to be like the hopeful face of this and like do, and like provide a spark to like ignite the people and and I can't be that guy. Yeah. Who? So who is that guy? Yeah. Well, is it Jin Erso? Could be. Could be because I mean we see Cassian becomes a lot more like the Cassian we meet in Rogue One is a lot more like Luthen at that at that point. Yeah. True. True. Because he sort of gets his humanity back towards the end of the end of the movie there, when when Jin convinced him that like it's worth fighting for, like something is worth fighting for. Yeah, I guess he was just in the fight for so long that he saw in that movie that is that he just saw like if there's little hope. Yeah, and she brought a spark of hope to the rebellion, which is all they needed. Yeah, Joe, I think it's interesting. I feel like it's something we're gonna see towards, especially going through season two, is that like. I feel like we're going to see Cassie become more and more like Lufin as the show progresses here. I feel like their partnership is going to be very important. I mean, I don't think, honestly, I think Lufin will end up dying for the end of this show, and he's going to make a big ultimate sacrifice for this, and I think this will sort of jade Cassie in towards like, becoming more like him to try and do whatever he feels necessary to help the cause. Yeah, I think he's almost grooming him as his protege. Um, you know, he's bringing him into the fold. He's willing to pay him in a kyber crystal. As guarantee payment, I mean, he could have just bolted and sold that. I think he, you know, sees his importance in this fight, and um, he kind of sees the same way that he does, and, you know, it's kind of everything is necessary. Yeah, and Nick, I think the last thing, anything else you want to add here before we go to the, uh, go to the, go to the trackers? Um... I don't think so. Okay. Let's go ahead to our trackers. Then. I feel like there's a lot of the action episode here. There's not a lot of dialogue here apart from that, but I'm not going to even bother throwing the board up this week for the character draft because, again, still no updates here. So we are at zeros through 10. Nick, we might have to actually push this into season two at this point. Yeah, possibly. Yeah. So we'll see. We we'll see. We'll see you now. I'll get to our weekly tracker stuff we do every single week in terms of the podcast here. Nick, once again, no Honda, but I think it would have been hilarious if like he is having wandering around the underworld of, of uh Coruscant when uh Lonnie was on his way to go meet uh Luthen. What have any aliens or something? Yeah, he's just like hanging out. We see him like trying to sell something. Oh, yeah, would be fun. Still, no, still no sign of him though here. And Joe, we have one animated cameo on the show this season. It's Saw Gerrera. Did we see Saw again? You think this is it for that was it for him? Um, I uh, I don't know. I think we're gonna see him. I really do. I think um, he might even have a little bit of you know a bigger role than what we saw now. All right, so we'll put that pin in that one here. Nick, one more on the live action cameos from Melshi. So up to six. Yeah, not bad. Not yeah. bad. We were worried about this one for a while. We were. We were worried about all these, to be honest with you. Yep. Uh, planet tracker here, Joe. We've been to nine planets this season here. I think this change will probably go and change again next week once we see where Cassian and Melshi end up. 
Yeah, I think they're really trying to um, they make a lot of stops um, on Disney Plus. I think they're trying to um, see a lot more things and showcase what they can do. Oh, Nick, something I also forgot to mention the news department here this week. We also learned that season two of Andor is going to start production, I think, on November 21st, and they are going to visit Yavin in season two. Yeah, I guess uh, General Draven will be there, huh? Yep, I assume he's going to be there. Yeah, maybe maybe he'll be at the end, and Cassian will get shipped to Yavin in the last scene of this uh, show, although I don't see that happening. I don't even think they're at Yavin yet. In a, I don't in, think so either. <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's go ahead here now. Classic lines, Joe. This is one thing we've been looking for all season when we're getting a classic line here. I don't think this is that kind of show. We had no classic lines appear throughout the season. We had homages to them, but no actual lines. No, I um, I don't, you know, remember, I'm usually pretty keen on those, um, you know, pickups, but I, I, I think they're trying to separate themselves from, you know, the Bulba and the Mando and the kind of, you know, the gimmies here. Yeah. I, I think this will definitely end up a zero because I thought our only chance at getting a classic line was was a Wilhelm scream during this break. Yeah. And we didn't get it. So I just right. don't see it happening. You could get one on Ferrix. There's there are stormtroopers there. Possibly. Uh, yeah, I guess they're more likely to make it that noise than anyone else, right? Yeah. So possibly. Alright, so that's that one going on here. And lastly, Nick, the indoor kill count. Up to five, up five kills in the prison this week, so nine. So he almost he basically doubled his output in one week. All I hope for is that we get to ten, and I think we will, considering he's going to probably end up on Ferrix, right? Yeah, I would assume he's ending up there. So I would imagine he'll kill a trooper or two. Yeah, or some ISB agents. Yeah, so hopefully we get to double digits. All right, so that's it for the trackers of the week. We're going to go now to our MVP and LVP board. These are the best and worst characters. We've been giving out points throughout the season. So here is where the board stands as of episode nine. Cassie Andor is the top dog at plus six. Luthen in second at plus four. They tie it th- third between Dedroy, who jumped up last week, Sinta and Ma Mothma. Lieutenant Gorn, Saw Guerrera, and the Empire at plus two. Plus one is Marva Andor and Nemec. Bix is at zero. The negatives, we have a group of five. The two Stooges, Gorn's lackeys, Vel, Skeen, and, Ki- and Kino Loy. Groups of negative two is Tim with two M's, one M, LED point for each of his name, and his name, Lita and Commandant Bihaz. Negative threes are Perrin and Blevin. And down at the bottom here, bring up the rear, Joe. BOS employee Karn at negative 10. So Karn has been the, is in the whipping board this season on this board. Yikes. All right, so we're going to start off here. We'll start with the positive here. Also, Pete didn't send in his his points here, so I'll read off what Pete sent here. Start Let's the say his last. Okay, so... For each. Yeah, so, Joe, who's your MVP here? Uh, it's got to be Andy Serkis. I mean, he's just, you know, gets you going. He makes you want to, you know, bump your chest and fight the Empire, and I think... Um, he, you know, sacrifices himself to um, get pissed off. Yeah. Nick, are you going to go with him or are you going to go with uh, Cassian? Because I feel like they, I feel like these, these are the two, the two clear picks of the week. I'm going to go with Kino. And my, my, my reason is because in a long story short, Kino went through this entire thing. He, he helped, you know, he obviously gave the motivational speech and all that. And at the end of the day, if anyone in that prison, prisoner-wise, knew what this prison really was, which was surrounded by water, shaped like the like the logo, it was him, right? Yep. So basically, he goes through this entire thing knowing he is not going to make it at the end because he can't swim, and he did it anyway. Yeah. Selfless. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I will go with Cassie and Andor because I will. Pete basically did the same thing. I'll go with the reasons here as well. Pete says Andor, he starts the prison break. He gives Kino the confidence to lead and be a leader here. And he's all plays a key part in, you know, killing the guards they need to. He leads the whole operation. So for those reasons, I'll join Pete. We'll give Cassie and Kino the two. We'll give the split the MVPs across those two for our, for this week. Another parallel you can see. Yep. Selfless act by Kino to do a mission that he knows he can't survive. Yeah. 
Sounds a little familiar, right? Sure does. Let's go to the LVPs here. So I'll go with uh, Nick. Are you going to go with the same guy as Pete, or are you going to do a different one? So I, it's not, I'll start with Pete. I'm going to do a different one than Pete. All right, so I'll start with Pete. Pete went with Luthen because he feels that Luthen has lost credibility over the other episodes, so seeing him now try to intimidate and persuade people is not as powerful. But basically, the Saw Guerrero interaction, he thinks, really took Luthen down a peg, and he does not didn't like how he came across here to Lonnie. That's all fine and well. I don't disagree. All right. In terms of my MVP, LVP, I'm going to go to Tay Kalma here to get my LVP because... I'm surprised. I think in terms of his job as the advisor here, this is why I think he's the LVP because he told Bon Moffat last week, yeah, you know, this guy is kind of shady, but he wants to have a meeting with you. Like, he did not give Bon Moffat clearly a sense of, like, how, like, scummy this guy is. And I think the fact that he was completely unaware of what he was going to ask for, I think it's a bad look when you're the advisor you're brought, that Mon Mothra brings you. I'm going to give Tay the MVP for that reason. Just real quick, Mike, there's no E in Tay. I'll, I'll, I'll fix it. I get to, I actually write it on the yeah. graphic. So uh, you want to give your LVP now? Yeah, I'm going with Davo. I think the guy was a, the guy was, the guy was a douche. <laughs> there's no S. It was just Davo. Davos is from uh, Game of Thrones. Uh, so Davo. Yeah. Yeah, Davos Seaworthy. Davos was the Onion Knight, in Game of Thrones. But <laughs> yeah. um, Davo, I, I think he was just a douche. He was a douche. Yeah, I, he uh, he came off really you know, pretentious and, bought, you know, was trying to do the marriage thing. And I, I actually was shocked that he wasn't your LVP. I was like, when I watched it, I was like, oh, this is definitely Mike's LVP. There's no way it's not. No, I, so, I expected to be slimy. Take home is no better than this. Well, they need the money. Yeah. And Joe, you're you're last up here. Who is the LVP for you? Yeah, you know I'm gonna you know go come out of left field here and throw one down. Uh, but not what you think. I'm gonna go with Mon Mothma because I feel like she takes the shit end of the stick on this entire episode. I mean, she's 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 down. She's out. She's her in for money, and and she's gotta invite this guy over who's basically pulling a Game of Thrones on her and ba- being like, oh, now we're going to be uh, in-laws and I'm going to absolutely abuse the shit out of that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Nick, it feels like Mom Moffat just, like, attracts douches in her life. I feel like everybody, like, all the douches in the storyline, aside from Tim, are in her storyline. Possibly. Yeah, 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 yeah. I gotta say, she, uh, fantastic acting. Yeah. Her. Oh yeah. I mean, I actually, guess, I mean, really, everyone really. Is there anyone in the show you don't feel does a good job at the acting? No, I feel like they every they got on here has been a good actor. Yeah, really. I really feel like everyone's been fantastic. Like even like even Karn, one of the best actors in the show. Yeah, because Karn. I mean, the way Kyle Solar like acts that role out, like he makes you hate that character. Yeah, I, I just there's there's, there's got to be more to him. There's no reason they were just. There's no way they just show him because they want people to hate him. There's got to be so, something more to him. We'll we'll think we'll get there when we get to predictions and the end of the season and maybe even season two. But there's got to be more to that character. Yeah, and he he missed the LVPs because he wasn't here. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> All right. So next up here, we're gonna grade the episode here. So, uh, Nick, do you want to start with your grade? I want to start. I will start, but I also want to tell our our guest. guest. About the scale on how we grade, a average score is a five. So in school, you get a five out of ten. It's a fifty. You fail here. You get a five out of ten. It's an average grade. A fail is like a two or a one or a zero. Yeah, the way I put it here is one is like it's worse than nineteen seventy eight Star Wars holiday special that's never aired, seen a light of day after originally aired. Ten's the pinnacle of live action Star Wars here. So you got stars out, Nick. And five would be average. So I am going to start us off with my second 10 of the season. So this is the pedicle. Yeah, I don't, this is exactly what I wanted to see. You know, we had done the, back in July, I think. Yeah. We did a rating of our future upcoming Star Wars projects. Yeah. And how we thought. And this was number one on my list. And it was because of the possibility of getting episodes like this. Yeah. This is exactly what I wanted to see. A little less Coruscant and politics than I would have wanted in the show overall, but this is exactly what I wanted to see, and this is the episode I wanted to see. How you know, like this is how I wanted it to go, and all the build up, all the composition of the last nine episodes, pay, all of it paid off in this episode. Absolutely, here, Joe. What's your grade? Oh, I, I gotta give out um, 
a 10 out of 10 on this one, I think. They absolutely killed it in every scene. I think um, there's no low points for me on this one. Yeah. Pete gave it eight and a half, which is, the, I think, Pete's high for the season here. He said, great action. All the has a lead up to this moment nicely, so that's Pete's rationale here. I'm going to join the 10 parade here because this episode, I think, had everything. It all it was all well acted, even the Mon Mothma stuff, like, which, again, was like felt like just like a little bit superfluous to the plot, but like the acting was great. We talked about earlier about how like the spacing was done well. It was shot very well. J.B. O'Reilly acted it very well when she's like very hesitant to be in the scenes. So I thought it was very, very clever here. And again, the all-time speech from Andy Serkis is uh, Keynote Loy. I think the most iconic Star Wars speech of all time. So for me, that gets it a 10. So three tens on the panel this week, Nick. That is a new record, huh? Yep. New record. Probably be the highest episode of the season, I would guess. I I am going to... I mean, eventually, considering we'll be doing this for a podcast for the, as long as, you know, as long as I can see in the future, but... This might be the only episode we ever get three tens for ever. We'll see. We will see here. And last but not least here, episode 11 predictions. So do you want to start with uh, Pete's prediction? Sure, go ahead. Uh, Pete says, Andor and, and Melshi escape to a city is heavily controlled by the Empire, and Cinta attempts to murder Andor's mother. I think that second part is very interesting, Pete. Uh, Joe. Yeah, uh, uh, I, I don't know how I feel about that one. I mean, Cinta, I think um, I think um, she's pretty, we're in for some good action. Well, Cinta is pretty ruthless, what we see on the show. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think it, it could happen. I just think I'm going to be very sad. All right. Do so you want us to give us your prediction first? Um, I, you know, I can see um, Cassian just going all, you know, Rambo, you know. Just trying to get, you know, a little revenge for what he just went through and for, you know, his friend who couldn't swim. But we should see. Yeah, so Cassie goes go, goes full Rambo mode to get revenge for Kino. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so that's so you're you're done. You're on the board. Yeah. All right. Uh I will give my prediction next year. I'm gonna continue my trend of prediction. I'm gonna say that. Partograss meets with Krennic next week to update him on the progress of the investigation. So I'll throw that one out there. And we're also going to say that Cassian does make his way to Ferrix. I think it's going to take him a minute. I think he and Melchior are splitting up. They sort of re- reconnect later on. I think he goes back and check on his mother and see what's going on on Ferrix. Because I think, again, he can't get that out of him. Now he has a purpose to go help his mother. I think we're going to start getting the collisions of the parties. I don't know how Karin figures in yet. I feel like there are a lot of people will be on Ferrix in this episode, including uh, Vel. I think, I think Luthen ends up there, too. Uh, Nick, you want to add your prediction here? Yeah, I'm with you 100% on on your prediction there. I think he's going to find his way to Ferrix, and Luthen and Vel are going to be there as well, and we're going to get the most ambitious crossover in the history of, of Andor. I think everyone's going to be there. Uh, I really Is there any character that we, you know, who's alive who's not going to be there? I guess Mon Mothma, and that's about it. Yeah, because Mon Mothma and, Mon- and Dabo got to have dinner with Bosk. Right. And and of course, my second part of the prediction is we're going to have a Mon Mothma dinner and Bosk will be there. Okay, so the big crossover event of all time and Mon Mothma has dinner with Davo and Bosk. Yeah, that's what I'm going with. All right, so there we have it. That's but I don't think we're going to see action. I don't think we're going to see action in Ferrix. I think we're going to see Cassie getting there and preparing something, and then we're going to see action in episode 12. Yeah, I think this is the setup here. I think it's going to be where everybody sort of come finds their way to Ferrix, and then we're going to have like some meeting at the end of the episode. We'll yeah, I mean, it's got to be because they got another episode. I would, I would say – I think the meeting will probably be like Dedra sees Cassie at the end of the episode. Hmm. That'd be cool. It will be cool because remember, Bix is also still being held prisoner by that by the uh, Imperials over there. And with that, that's the end of the episode for the week here. A little shorter than we usually do, but again, it was a very action-heavy sequence. So I covered it all. Joe, thanks for coming back on. I really, really appreciate it. Oh, uh, my pleasure is all mine. I hope that we can uh, do this again sometime. Absolutely, You're a lot of fun. Nick, do you want to follow you on the on the on the uh, Twitter streets? How they do that. Well, I uh, I don't pay the eight dollars a month. So you have to follow me on Instagram instead. At Sky Guys Podcast. 
All right, so Sky Guys Podcast. You can follow me on Twitter, mphilips331. It's M-P-H-I-L-I-P-S-331. This week, we're on the Justin the Suffering Podcast, the NFL midseason report of fan size Matt Verderam. That's going to be in the podcast feed as well. And Nick, our good friend John Stanko came on to do NFL picks this week. Uh, we, uh, we we missed him on uh, on here to talk to some Andor. If you, I don't know if you, if you talked to him. Does he like the show? I think he had the late start to the show, but he also did not fit the mission assignment for the season where we tried to bring on new yes, and he he's already come on to do an episode for Obi-Wan. True, true, but uh, so, so have you talked to him about if he likes it or not, or not yet? I'll be talk, I, I'm talking to him, I think, to, to break the podcast, uh, I go inside Basil here, like, I'm recording Sky before I speak to Stanko for the pick, so I will check in with him, see if he's gotten to start Andor yet. He was behind because he's, he's finishing up both Rings of Power and uh, House of the Dragon. All right, all right, well, hopefully he likes it. Yeah, I think he will love this show based on what we have going on here. And that's it for next week. Pete will be back next week. We have a guest coming in next week as well. Until then, may the force be with you.